Welcome to the Jesus Famous Youth Teachings Podcast. Our vision is to see Jesus famous in the lives of the youth of our church. We want to see youth have opportunities for them to come to know Jesus in a complete and whole way and be united together in love, and most importantly, strengthened in the moments of discouragement. Jesus Famous Youth meets on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. and has a middle school program available on Sundays at 11 a.m. Now, let's get into our teaching. All right. How are we doing tonight, guys? We okay? No. They're horrible. They're really... I feel like a clown. I had to... Okay, I got to wear them for youth group. I told you I would, so I didn't last week. <laughs> I told you I would, and I feel bad I didn't last week. I caught a lot of guff from it. I think JoJo Vining gave me the evil glare. So I got to wear them. I got to wear them at least for teaching. They are in a special box of my office, and we'll make sure... <laughs> Make sure we'll take him to Thailand with us, all right? So, all right, what? Yeah. I only have so many left, and I'm not going to waste a night. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasted, it wasted. All right, well, um, you guys doing okay tonight? You guys okay? Am I right? Yeah. Um, well, good. Well, I'm feeling like crud, in honesty. I uh, probably shouldn't have came in today, but want to make sure youth group is going. Like, like I said to Wyatt, I only have so many left, and so want to make sure we continue through the book of Colossians and going through this, guys. But um, before we get started, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 17 tonight. Uh, before we get started, I actually want to have Marisol up because it's actually her last Tuesday night um, before she moves to Spain. So I know she's already shared this with her small group, upperclassmen girls, uh, but we wanted to pray over. And, you know, guys, I know there's a lot of change happening in this youth group, a lot of, a lot of things moving and, and shape, you know, just changing, um, which is hard. Change can feel like loss, but, you know, we want to continue to celebrate what God is doing in people's lives, in your lives, in, in our leaders' lives as we continue to move forward and just trust God in this, okay? So come on up, Marisol. Let's pray over you. So we're going to live in Spain. What city? Um, it's gonna be. It's called Gambia. Okay, I'm not gonna pretend like I could say it like you, but yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so let's pray over you and thank you so much, Marisol, for being part of the youth group. I think it took a couple of years of me chasing you down on Sundays. I don't know how many times did I ask you, you think before you finally signed up for youth group. How many times do you think? I think like uh, three times. No, it was more than three. I think it was more than three. I, I think almost every time I saw you at Young Adults or on Sunday mornings, I asked, hey, when are you going to come serve at youth group? That's so, true. Yeah. I lost count. <laughs> okay, there we go. Um, but yeah, Marisol, really appreciate you being here, being a part of this, this work and, and serving our upperclassmen girls. And uh, yeah, we're going to miss you, but we're excited for what God has for you. And this is a big adventure. You've been preparing for this for a couple of years. So yeah. All right, guys, so let's pray for Marisol. And yeah, so... Father, we just thank you so much for our sister here and just, again, this next adventure you have for her. Father, it is a big step, and, and um, Lord, it can be nerve-wracking, but every time she talks about the step and this move to Spain to teach, God, to see such a joy in her eyes and just a, a light in her heart, I know you're going to move her and just do awesome things through her as she continues to serve you, even on, in another part of the world. And even though we'll miss her here, Father, we know that every time someone takes a step of faith, it opens up a void for someone else to step in to that place in faith. 
And so, God, we thank you and praise you for that. Again, thank you for our sister and the work she's done here, the work you've used her for. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Love you, sis. All right. You guys can clap. It's okay. All right. I know, crazy. So much change, guys. So much change. But, you know, it's kind of part of life, and God always has a way of moving through these things in really awesome ways. So hopefully you guys have a Bible, Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 17. Um, if you have your phones out, I trust that you would be on your Bible app and not, you know, scrolling or looking at TikToks or Instagrams or B-reels, um, that you would be focused on the Word, you know. Uh, I've got actually five points tonight as we go through this. I'm going to try to go through it quickly. I know you guys have sat all day. You're coming to the end of a semester um, or a quarter, right? Christmas and Thanksgiving's right around the corner. I know like when I was in school, man, it was like Halloween was like, and once Halloween hit, I knew breaks were coming up. You know, you get Thanksgiving break, you get Christmas break, New Year's, and all those good things. So I know it's coming up, but I appreciate you guys being here, wanting to continue to grow and know Jesus more. And so we're continuing through the, this teaching in Colossians. We started chapter 3 last week, verses 1 through 4, which mainly speaks on, spoke on identity, right? Finding your identity in Jesus. If you remember, the whole kind of overview of chapter 3 is knowing the truth about Christian living invites us to live an ordinary life in an extraordinary way. Ultimately, finding our identity in Jesus doesn't change the fact that you're a human being, but it, it amplifies, right? You get to live this life in an extraordinary way for Jesus with your identity being found in him, um, which is greater than any other identity you can find in this life. And we kind of went over that exhaustively. I heard from your leaders that there was great small groups time, time to talk about it. So this week as we get into verses 5 through 17, ultimately now what Paul transitions into is the, the transformation of Christian living starts with a genuine spiritual life. It starts with a genuine spiritual life. Becoming Christ-like and growing and maturing as a Christian, it starts actually with a spiritual life, a spiritual grounding, a spiritual foundation, having a genuine spiritual life. Now, don't get me wrong, guys. It's easy for me to say that up here on stage. It's easy for me to, to sit up here or stand up here and say, like, hey, you need to have a genuine spiritual life, middle schooler. And you're going to be like, okay, Josh. <laughs> okay, what does that mean? And ultimately, it really comes in time. I want to encourage you that a teaching like this, you, hopefully you're going to hear a teaching like this. You're going to read through Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 17, many, many times in your Christian walk. If you're a middle schooler here tonight, I would hope that by the time you're 18, and if you're 18 tonight, that by the time you're in your mid-20s, that the book of Colossians has gone through your, your reading, your digest, your mind multiple times so that this idea of growing in a genuine spiritual walk or a genuine spiritual nature with Jesus would, would continue to mature every time you read through it, every time you study it. So I get it. Tonight... You may come to a point of hearing this, and maybe the first time you ever hear a real study on, on verses 5 through 17 of Colossians chapter 3, but I hope that you would, it would grow every single time. So tonight, you may be a little bit like this tonight. You, know, you may be a little bit like, I don't know what I'm doing, but at, this, at some point, you know, I'm, I'm too afraid to ask, right? It's like, it's like there's a bunch of other Christians in the room. I'm not really going to ask because they all seem like they know what they're doing. Let me encourage you guys. No, the fact is most of us don't know what we're doing, especially when it comes to our spiritual, a genuine spiritual walk or genuine spiritual nature with Jesus. It only comes with a maturing way. But I hope that you can leave a teaching like this and be more like this guy, right? 
you can do it wrong, but if nobody knows what you're doing, right? <laughs> Only if no one else knows what you're doing. You know, as long as no one else knows that you're doing it wrong, and you can just kind of fake it till you make it, which isn't a great, you know, Christian attribute. But at the same time, sometimes as Christians, we get to this point where it's like, all right, I'm going to hear this message tonight from Josh. I'm going to walk through my small group. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to listen to my small group leader. I'm going to try to pay attention, take notes. I'm not going to get distracted by my friends sitting next to me. I'm not going to get distracted by my phone. But I'm going to let God speak to me. And hopefully you can walk out of here knowing a little bit more of what you're doing, even if maybe, maybe you're doing it wrong a little bit, which is okay. Because the beautiful thing about this walk, you guys, especially understanding the spiritual nature of Christianity, it's not a pass or fail. Like, isn't that cool? Like, how many of you guys have finals coming up? Some final tests, yeah. All the homeschoolers are like, nah, <laughs> what's a final? <laughs> All right, you got everyone's taking a test, right? Dear Lord, okay, seriously, no tests in the room? Like, okay, all right, you've all taken a test, okay? Goodness, okay. All right, you've all taken a test. In a lot of these tests, you guys, it's a pass or fail. It's an A, B, C, D, E, F, right? Ah, there's no E, there's no E. But the fact is, like, it's a pass or fail, but this Christian walk is not a pass or fail. That's a beautiful thing about it. It's not a pass or fail, but it's a constant growing. It's constant maturing. It's a constant understanding more of what it means to, to have a genuine walk with Jesus, okay? Does that make sense, guys? Yeah? You okay with that? Yeah. All right. So again, genuine spiritual living is behaving in accordance with the character of Christ. So let's start with that. To have a genuine spiritual nature is behaving in accordance or in alignment with the character of Jesus. Who is Jesus? How did he interact with the people around him? How did he love? How did he teach? How did he talk? How did he, how did he just experience life? If he is our greatest example like, like of what it means to be a Christian, to be like God in his character, again, living an ordinary life but in an extraordinary way for God, Jesus is our example and we look to him. Because ultimately he did understand what it meant to have a genuine spiritual nature or a genuine spiritual living before God. He understood. So we look at him. He is our first and foremost example, and we look to Jesus and his character, and we try every day to the best of our ability, past the, 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 our flesh, the world, and Satan, to live more like Jesus each day, okay? I believe this is Paul's heart for us. I believe that we can take that stand as we enter this teaching tonight, that, listen, like, again, it's not a pass or fail, but it's I want to grow more like Jesus today. I want to be more genuine in my spiritual walk and in that grow and mature as a Christian man or woman. Okay? You guys good with that? Can we get into it? Okay. So let's start out. Verses 5 through 7 of chapter 3 again. Paul says, put to death, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, verse six, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Verse seven, in these you too once walked when you were living in them, okay? So as Paul starts this section of living a genuine spiritual walk or genuine spiritual nature before Christ or like Christ, he starts with an inward look. I mean, how many times do we start a message like this? Do we look at what Jesus says and man, he looks inwardly. We can fake it before so many people, man. We can act very Christian in front of a whole lot of people, but we can't act like Christian before Jesus, can we? He looks at our heart. He looks at the inward nature. And so this is where Paul first starts, is let's look inwardly. What is going on in your heart? What's going on in your mind? What, what are you meditating on? Where are you resting in? And he uses a very firm, like, 
like hardcore uh, verse here or tactic uh, by saying, put to death. Put to death. And you guys, we must be willing to put to death a lifestyle that is in contradiction to Jesus' character. Now, we have to be willing. Sorry, you're going to hear a lot of sniffing tonight because my nose is not happy with me. Um, so we have to put to death. If I have to sneeze, guys, it's going to, right, it's just going to go. So, yeah. So you're in the splash zone. First two rows, splash zone. All right. Okay. All right. Put to death. Now, this, you guys, think about this for a second. Think about this. This is not nice, okay? This is not something, like, dainty and, like, kind of like, hey, let's just examine this and, like, see if it's okay or not. Like, this is put to death. I mean, think about it. If something is put to death, I don't know, and I know this may be a touchy subject, but if you've ever had an animal go to the vet and not come home, right, they were put to death, right? They were, they were, they were given a shot, and they went to sleep and did not wake up, okay? They were there was no reincarnation of your animal. There was no zombie animal once you buried it in the pet cemetery, right? There, literally, your animal was put to death. There was no more life in it. This is the same thing that Paul is telling us is that, that we need to put to death what is earthly in you, what is earthly, things that, that are okay with the world, things that is accepted by the society and the world and the secularism that you are living in and breathing in right now. Those things have to be put to death. This is not a careful regulation, but a complete extermination. This is gangrene. This is rot. You do not play nice with rot and gangrene. You cut it off. You, you, you extract it. You exterminate it. Okay, I don't know if you've ever had in a, been in a house that has like some type of infestation of bugs. Right? Have you ever, who's in here has had their house tented before? Right? Like they tent a house and pump in like gallons of chemicals to kill the, and to exterminate the pest, right? When I worked at Mount Hermon over in Santa Cruz, one of my jobs were to exterminate rats and raccoons and possums and skunks, and I got really good at it, like really good at it. And like you go into a house and you look for every crevice, you look for every hiding place, and you exterminate because if you don't, what happens? It comes back. It grows, right? It, it doesn't See, the thing is, you guys, when we look at sin nature, when we look at what Paul is saying to put to death, we have the mentality of like, well, I'll just take care of it up to a point where it's not messing with my life anymore. I'll just kind of extract the parts that are really screwing with my life, messing with my relationships, making me be disobedient to God or disobedient to my parents, or I'll just kind of, I'll just make it this little bit, like, I'll just make it look okay. But see, the thing is, Paul is not saying make it look okay. He's saying put it to death. Take care of it because it will grow back. It will come back and it won't, it doesn't care about you. See, that's the thing. We think like our sin nature is for us. Like it takes care of us. It comforts us. And a lot of times we use it as such. But the fact is it doesn't care about you. And Paul knows this and it's telling us for our spiritual nature, for our, to have a genuine spiritual walk, we have to take sin. We have to take what is earthly, what is accepted by the secular society. And we have to put it to death within ourselves. First, first, Paul, again, looks inwardly at the heart, and a couple of things that kind of pull out from this is a perverted passions. First, we have to look at our perverted passions. You guys, this is lust. This is impurity. This is sinful, or I'm sorry, this is like a dirty mind. Now, the world that you're living in right now, if you're in any type of social media, Roblox, uh, you know, Fortnite, like, it doesn't matter. No, seriously, guys, like, listen, like, like I guarantee, 
I guarantee if you're on any type of social media where you're communicating with kids who do not have the same moral code or Christian upbringing as you, you are hearing all kinds of sus things, all kinds of dirty things, all kinds of rude and grotesque things that you would not repeat in front of your mama, right? I guarantee it. I mean, if we're honest here, right? And so the thing is, what you are consuming brings a perverted passion within us. Now, it may start with just talking with someone that's not a Christian online and the things they're saying, it's, it's impacting you. But it grows into then the music you're listening to, the movies you're watching, the friends you commune with and hang out with. You guys, then it goes into what you're consuming, what, what becomes habits in your life, and then it becomes this identity of who you are. I don't know if you, many of you probably not yet, but, but you'll get in the workforce one day and you'll work with people that aren't Christian and you'll have people around you that literally everything that comes out of their mouth is perverse. Everything that comes out of their mouth is a sexual joke. It's just this constant and never-ending perverseness that comes out of them because that's what they continually take in. And Paul says, put this to death. In your heart, in your mind, put this to death. The next one is covetousness, right? Covetousness, which brings, really breathes forth greed. In itself, greed. Greed is the internal sinful desire to satiate ourselves with more, 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 more. Paul equates greed with idolatry to act as if everything exists for us and to place ourselves in the place of God himself. See, what greed grows into is that everything is for me. Everything in this life is for me. Everything I encounter is for me. And this is incredibly selfish desire where the Bible says, no, everything was made for God and by God and through God for him. Yet what covetousness and what greed does is saying, I need more, more, more. It's never enough. And I put myself in God saying, I deserve it. See, this is what a toddler does, right? This is what a child does. And a lot of you young men, it's like, it's like you start as a boy and it comes to this place of like, well, it's all about me. Mom's about me. Dad's about me, right? I go to Little League and they let me hit the ball off the tee and I get to run to first base no matter what, right? But see, to become a man, right, to grow as a man, and ladies, I'll talk about you in a second here. So to grow as a man, you have to stop saying it's about me, but that I'm here to serve others. See, greed, covetousness brings us to a place of like, it's all about me. And I don't know about you guys, but I know grown men that still think it's all about them. And they can't serve. They can't serve their wives. They can't serve their children. They can't serve in their church. They cannot serve others because it's all about them. Women, starts as a little girl, same thing. It's all about me. I'm daddy's little girl, Right? My mommy loves me. Right? Everyone tells me I'm beautiful and I can dance around the church and everything's good. But it comes to a point where that's not cute anymore. Right? Right? You've got to learn that, that, no, the world doesn't revolve around you. You've got to grow in talents and abilities. You're more than just a beautiful face, but you have, you have intention and you have promise and you have promotion in this world. Right? And it's not just about you, but it's about serving others. Ultimately, covetousness brings us to a place of it's about me where Paul is saying, no, put that to death because it's about God. It's about the calling he has on you. Lastly, a sincere life change. See, to put to death these things, we have to sincerely in ourselves want that life change. We have to want the life change within ourselves. This, this ultimately comes to a, a word of integrity about who we are. Integrity, maybe you've heard me talk about this before, but it comes from this term sincerity where back in the ancient Roman world, they would make fine uh, pottery, right? Fine vase, vases, vases, fine pottery. And the thinner the pottery, the more valuable it was. But see, the thinner it was, the easier it was to crack and to break. So what these potters would do is they'd 
in their little tents, right, where there, there was no sun, if their pot, pottery or their vase would get a crack, they would fill it with wax and they would paint over it. So if you were a wise shopper, when you went to buy a piece of pottery, you would take it, you would look at it, examine it within the, the, the cover, like the shade, but then you would take it out and to see if it's sincere, you would hold it in the sun for a little bit. What happens when wax gets hot? It melts. And you could tell if that pot is sincere. Does it have cracks? Is it real? Is it, can it hold water? Can it hold the weight? Can it do what it was made to do? Ultimately, a sincere life change brings integrity where you are the same here in the shade of the church and the same in the heat of the sun outside, guys. You are the same around Christians as you are around non-Christians. There's an integrity in who you are, desiring to be more like Jesus than how we would be without Jesus. Ultimately, you have to be wise and you have to be honest with yourself and know that outside of Jesus, I am one way. I am a sinner. I, I am full of perverted passions. I am full of greed. I am not about others. I'm about myself outside of Jesus. But see, when I have integrity and a sincerity of wanting to be like Jesus, I'm honest in saying no. But in Jesus, those perverted passions are, not, are something I don't desire anymore. I don't want to be a greedy, covetous person. I want to be about others. I understand that my life is not my own anymore, but it's about Jesus and for Jesus and through Jesus and to be more like him, guys. Ultimately, when we start with a, an idea of wanting to be a, have a sincere spiritual walk with Jesus, a genuine spiritual walk with Jesus, it starts with the inward look, and it starts with Paul saying, put to death these things. Put it to death. Right? Eradicate it, exterminate it in a big way. He continues there in verse 8, kind of moving forward as Paul normally does, where he says, but now you must put, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Now, what Paul now comes to is more of an outward. Those, those first ones in verse 5 through 7 are an inward. Now it's an outward of how we deal with each other. That inward start with the sincere walk is where it starts, but then it goes to an outward with others. How are we dealing with others? And Paul then brings this idea that your temperament, your tongue, and your thought process is an important member to take notice of. Now, the inward is where it's really important. Okay, verses five through seven is a good place to start. It's a good place to meditate and stay on for a long time because the byproduct of it, as you continue to pursue Jesus, is verse eight, is a life that takes notice when we are not walking with others the way that we should. Now, as Paul puts this, it's, it's literally like, as he says, but now you must put them all away, right? The first one's put to death. Now, this is put them all away. If you were to look at the original Greek, it's literally a putting on and a taking off of a cloak, Paul is literally saying that we are to put on a certain type of cloak in Jesus and to lay, take off the filthy rags or the worn-out rags of the things that are no longer who you are, which are these things, he says, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. That literally, it's almost like a taking off of an anger, rage, you guys, like just being angry at people, angry at parents, angry at those around you, angry at those that don't agree with you. Slander, malice, you're okay talking bad about others, you're okay gossiping, you're okay having sarcasm about others, and ultimately filthy language, right? The impure things again. But ultimately, what this becomes, as you look at verses five through seven, it's almost like these become that kind of old, worn-out T-shirt that you just shouldn't wear anymore, or those pants that are literally falling apart. I mean, maybe some of you guys have walked out of your room with a, shirt, a, a certain shirt that fit last summer, and your mom's like, yeah, you shouldn't wear that anymore. That doesn't fit right. 
I know that's usually young men, they grow a little bit and they walk out. It's like, that's baby gap right there. You should not wear that anymore, you know? Like, I, remember, I remember when I went from a medium to a large. I was like, I was like 21 years old or so, and, and my mentor at the time, he was getting me lifting weights with him, Mike Guthrie. And I remember I walked into church with a medium. He's like, yeah, you shouldn't wear that shirt anymore. <laughs> like, it's time to go to a large, Josh. But see, ultimately, it wasn't necessarily something that I was planning on. Yes, I was lifting weights or I was getting bigger, but the fact is, it just kind of became part of who I was. And see, young Christians, the fact is that if you focus on the interior part of following after Jesus, what, what verse 8 becomes is kind of that old ratty shirt that you just don't want to wear anymore. It's out of date, man. It's not who you are. It was part of your grunge phase, and now you're like, no more grunge phase. That's not who I am anymore. It's old. It's ratty. It's falling apart. It's just it's not who I am. It doesn't fit me like it should. And see, that's the beautiful thing about these outward characteristics is those around you, and probably most, mostly your parents out front, maybe those close friends, hopefully your small group, can look at you and go, yeah, you have changed. That shirt you wore last summer that, that you thought was your identity and it made you talk this way and it made you slander and it made you gossip and be sarcastic, that's not you anymore. You've changed and it'll just kind of be this natural thing that just takes part of who you are. It'll be the filthy rags being thrown away, guys. Now, this natural process then continues, as Paul says in verses 9 through 11, when he says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Verse 11 here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Now, as Paul continues this, this idea of first inward, then outward expression of walking a genuine walk with Jesus, it then comes to us. It then comes to the church. You understanding that you are not an island. You cannot do this on your own. No Christian can do this by themselves. You are growing and maturing with the brothers or the sisters within your small group, within your community, and you're getting out of that group what you're putting into it. If you're putting into it maturity, you're putting into it growth, and you're putting into it wisdom and truth, and man, you want to see that sister or that brother in your group grow just as much as you want to grow, you're going to see that community grow together. And what we ultimately see in this is then not just an individual of yourself growing inwardly and outwardly, but you see a group of brothers and sisters in Christ growing with each other. Paul says, first, racial. It doesn't matter what color your skin is within your group, Greek or Jew, right? Religious even. The fact is circumcised or uncircumcised, whether you were, you were born Jewish or outside the Jewish faith, the fact is within Christ. Cultural, barbarian, Scythian, or even slave or free, cultural or social. The fact is, wherever you come together within Christ, if you have a desire to grow inwardly and outwardly, genuinely in spiritual faith with Jesus, and I do too, it doesn't matter what we came from, doesn't matter the social class, doesn't matter how much money you have or I do, doesn't matter how tall you are or how short I am, like the fact is, we grow in Christ together. We grow in Christ together because all can come together when Christ is all and in all. This is the beautiful thing of, of not just individually, but as a church that chooses to grow spiritually. Not just an outward expression of, of being, being a church on a peninsula, but an inward expression of growing spiritually. What we become is Christ. We become Christ together. And he is all and in all with us. It's a beautiful process as we look at this. And then coming, coming to an end here, guys, we're coming to a landing, okay? 
He then says in verse 12, put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, sorry, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. You also must forgive, and above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. One of the top Christian-like behaviors, you guys, are spiritual behaviors that will manifest as an individual and as a church is compassion. One of the top things that will manifest is compassion. It's in an essence, this church or this youth group, when you come here, when you're a part of this place and someone comes in, one of the things that they'll see is that this church, this youth group puts on compassion. That the shirt they put on, the cloak they put on is one of compassion. See, when we walk with compassion, we also get to walk in a bunch of other things that Paul lays out here. This is a byproduct. This is what, what really resonates from us, again, as individuals, but as a group, when we have a spiritual maturity with Jesus, when we have spiritual time with him. First off is kindness, humility, meekness, patience, empathy, and forgiveness. See, these are all characteristics that the world tries to emulate But a lot of the times when the world tries to emulate these outside of Christ, what we have, you guys, is actually like a moralist mentality. And they try. Atheists try to get together and do what we do. Agnostics try to get together and do what we do. Social clubs try to do what church does, but they cannot because ultimately we are walking with the compassion that we first received from Jesus. And not just that we received it from Jesus, you guys, but get this. Not just that you've received compassion or forgiveness or love uh, from Jesus, but you have experienced the God who gives compassion. You haven't just received it from some far off concept, concept and maybe mentally you understand like, yeah, God gives me compassion for my sin, and my brokenness, but see, walking spiritually with Jesus, you have now experienced, you have a relationship with the God that gives compassion, that is compassion. See, that's so much more than the world has. See, all these things, someone can emulate outside of Christ, but see, without that love, experiencing that love from Jesus, they have just become a moralist person. They just become a moral person. That's why an atheist can be a moral person. That's fine. Every human being has a moral code, so so an atheist or an agnostic or even a Satanist can be a moral person. But see, that's all they are. But in Christ, to experience, to receive that love from him, what we become, you guys, is changed. What we become is an example. What we become is, is a light to this world. This is where Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. See, salt isn't just moral. <laughs> salt changes things. Try, try an in-and-out in out fries with no salt and then add salt. It changes things, right? Okay, it changes things. Okay, can I get an amen? Come on, guys. <laughs> okay. Love is the most important But see, you only get to share that love when you've experienced it from Jesus, when you've experienced the God who gives it. Lastly, in verses 15 through 17, he says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whatever you do, guys, whether you're hanging out right now with your friend, whether you go home and make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich tonight because you're hungry, whether you're on your sports team, whether you're, you're setting up for your next Be Real, whatever it is, guys, whether you're rock climbing or you're playing football, whatever it is, He says, whatever you do, 
in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Yes, guys, you can praise God and do it for Jesus' glory when you make that peanut butter and honey and banana sandwich. When I get sick, that is my comfort. No, seriously, I will eat peanut butter and banana and honey sandwiches all day. I don't know why. I get sick, and that's what I want, and I'm hungry right now. So anyway, no, I'm teasing. So the idea, though, guys, follow with me, is that everything you do is in Christ. See, being like Jesus will produce an outpouring in your life. It will produce an outpouring in your life. See, these now, as Paul finishes this section, it's what you get to experience in your life as a Christian, as a spiritual-minded Christian, Baca. You get to experience these things in your life. First, peace. You have a peace that surpasses all understanding with Jesus, knowing that he, he has you, that he holds you, that he loves you. You've experienced that love, that you can have a thankfulness for the smallest things in your life. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I have friends, and I, I just feel like people nowadays just know how to complain. Like, like our generation, you guys, like our world right now has like perfected the art of complaining. We're just so good at it. But see, as Christians, we can truly be thankful because we know the God that has given us all things. You can wake up tomorrow morning and just thank God that your heart is just beating blood and you did nothing about it. You can thank God that, that like you slept in a warm bed. You can thank God for the food in your belly. You can thank God for your parents and relationships, so many things, right? You also have a joy of the word. Now the word made flesh is Jesus, but then also just God's word in your life. See, when we experience a spiritual relationship with Jesus, he speaks to our hearts, one of the things that God, I, one of the things that made Thailand so real for me as Eric and I met together after the trip and started praying about if this was really where God was sending us, is as I prayed, I, it was one of the times in my life that I've heard God audibly, and what he said to me was, Josh, you will not be the one who sends your family to Thailand, I will. And it was so audible, but see, I only would have heard that if I had a spiritual understanding and a spiritual relationship with my God, to where I could pray to him and I could cry to him knowing that he hears me knowing that I have a joy for his word, for the Psalms, for, for how he speaks to us. And I heard his voice in that moment. We have a joy, you guys, of telling people about Jesus. We have the privilege of proselytizing Jesus. We have the privilege of telling people about our God, about our Savior, about all the things we just talked about, the, the life that we're called to live, this genuine Christian life that, that is, isn't it's so much more than just being a human being, but being one for Jesus, being one for the God that created you. We get to tell people about this God. We get to praise. I mean, I think we take for, for granted a night like tonight where we have Abby up here and Tim, or last week like Daniel Reed, and it's like we, we, get, to, we get to praise the God that created us. We get to take time out of a day, out of a week, and take 20 minutes and, and actually praise the God that created all things. Praise the God that, that holds the entire universe together. We get to praise him. I mean, who else gets to do that? And ultimately then wisdom. See, what a genuine spiritual walk with Jesus does, you guys, is it brings wisdom in your life. It brings understanding. You can no longer claim to be a fool when you walk with God. Proverbs says it. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. So then to say there is a God and I have a relationship with them, not just a physical one, but a spiritual relationship with my God, then logically, that is not foolishness, but that is wisdom. That is understanding. That is an understanding of why this world is the way it is. That is an understanding when maybe some of your friends are, are talking about why did Hamas do what they did to the Jews? What's going on in the Middle East? What's going on in Russia? Why is our world the way that it is? Why did my parents make this choice? You can have wisdom to tell that friend, well, God has a plan. 
But this is why these things happen, because there's a sin nature, because there's brokenness, where so much of the world is asking why within Christ we have wisdom. And lastly, guys, the life transformation process is to include any and all areas and activities of life. In all places, in all ways, the believer is to honor the name of the Lord Jesus. Genuine spirituality is not found by following false teachers which lead away from Christ. Genuine spirituality is found in having our lives transformed into the character of Christ. This is genuine spirituality when we, when we choose to say, Christ, change me. Make me more like you. Make me less like myself, less like the world, and more like you. And what we see, you guys, is a transformation where every part of who you are, it encompasses you. It surrounds you. Instead of constantly breathing in and being conformed by secular, like a secular world that is away from Jesus, what you find yourself is becoming more like him because you're surrounded by him. You're breathing him in. You're taking him in every single day. This is what a genuine spiritual walk is. This is what being transformed by the character of Jesus is, is being more like him every single day. Now, application, I like this one right now. I think these are heavy topics. I think it's good for you to take this home based on what you experienced, what you experienced, what act of obedience is God asking you to take. Complete this sentence below, I will. Talk about in your small groups. Maybe go home, pray about it, write it down. What is something that God is calling you to change? So, Father, we thank you so much for this night. Thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. We praise you for small groups. We praise you for community, for this teaching tonight. God, help it sink in, Jesus. We give you glory in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you at Youth Group on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. If you'd like more information about JFY or have a question, reach out to us at joshuas at calvary.com or DM us on Instagram at ymcalvary.com.